This is Runehammer. Gravity's skiff navigates the ion storm, but only within a hair's breadth of total destruction. But there, beyond the floating corpse of a giant spider, somewhere in the blue of the ether, the vault awaits. Captain brings the ship about. The energy grapple is secure, and there you find your quarry, your prize, the RPG mainframe. Greetings, programs. So, Hankering Fairnail back once again. I'm on the Rune Haman up here in northern Runeham area. Welcome back to the podcast. This is RPG Mainframe. Good to have you guys. We are in the month of May. Hmm. What month is it? May. All right. This episode, uh, I don't know what that introduction was. I was just playing weird. This episode of RPG Mainframe is all about writing, you guys. So, I've gotten a few requests. Um, to do a talk about story writing and writing technique, writing practice, how to improve writing, how to get started, a lot of different questions. So I just wanted to like consolidate them all into one talk. Now, this is a, a, a huge topic and B, a topic better suited for more successful authors than myself. <laughs> but I can speak from the viewpoint of the beginner. And uh, I think that is a useful viewpoint. So I wouldn't consider myself in any stretch of the wildest imagination to be any kind of expert about writing. But I am a beginner, and I do have a lot of experience with failing and bungling my writing. And uh, maybe I can save you some of the pain and time involved in that process. Also, I thought it would be good to talk about writing today because I'm kind of standing at this juncture point of writing, which is both terribly exciting and fulfilling for me and fraught with fear, <laughs> just raw primal fear. <laughs> oh man. And, and that raw primal fear, it takes the form of not knowing what I'm going to do next. But the positive side is because I have finished my third uh, Alfheim novel and it's completely done. It's it's ready to go. And the trilogy of all three of them is also going to be in a big sort of collector's edition book, a big fat book with all three books, some brand new art by Jose Leite, uh, a map, um, new cover art, and just a nice big beefy book. It's going to look like The Stand or something. It should be near 500 pages. Um, and those are going to be available very soon on Amazon. And I mean very soon, like within a week. So that's super exciting on the one hand, but on the other, I am facing that big void of what to do next as far as being a writer goes. Now there's a million RPG projects happening, but as a, as a fiction writer, I'm facing the same thing that I imagine a lot of you are facing. Which idea do I do? How do I write it? How do I begin? How do I make it better? How do I get to the end? Am I supposed to plan this thing out? Do I use an outline? There's a million questions 
to answer. And I'm definitely not going to be able to answer all of them <laughs> in a, you know, in a 40 minute talk here on RPG Mainframe. But I can share some of my experiences with you guys and hopefully just up your game as a whole. Now, why is fiction and story writing important to the art of dungeon mastering, right? Which is our core topic here on RPG Mainframe. Well, I think that the methods are very similar. Now, generally, you don't wind up writing a lot of short fiction for campaign and adventure building, right? And even if you do, it can be a little weird. You know, maybe it's just backstory that people read once and kind of move on from, right? But doing a lot of fully prepared, fully finished writing is not necessarily going to get you a lot of dividends in the RPG hobby because there are so many variables involved with players that finished fiction is really only useful as already sort of set concrete in your story. You want flexible materials that can be malleable as you play. So set concrete is pretty unyielding and unforgiving. And so fully written fiction isn't the most useful tool for a dungeon master. But still, all the creative skills that go into writing short stories or, or books uh, or fiction really of any kind directly transfer over into the creative art of being a dungeon master and I think just an RPG player in general. Okay, so the first part I really wanted to talk about is sort of the beginning. What, what is the beginning? How do you start? Now, you guys know my attitude about dungeon mastering is that you begin by sort of letting this torrent flow. You, you honestly look within and ask what you want. Now, the answer might be a little bit not what you expected. You know, you might want you know, metal bikinis and chainsaws bolted onto guns. And, and that's all you really are certain of that you want in your story. But if that is really what you want, then your creative responsibility is to face that desire. Now, you don't necessarily need to keep like a bullet list of the things that you want. You know, you can just know it in your head. But I think the important part is being honest about what you want in your story, not what's going to sell, not what do you think you should write about, what did that other person write about that you wanted to do, but, but just what do you want? What do you want to see or to imagine or to happen in your tale? And this should be the warm coal around which you gather every time the cold of not knowing what to do comes your way. So when I was writing the Alfheim trilogy, I wanted a few things. I knew that I wanted big battles. I knew that I wanted painful, heroic sacrifices for huge, important, epic quests and missions. I knew that I wanted very little magic, but a couple of magic powers that were just sort of mysterious and formless and infinitely powerful almost, but not like spells with names and getting into a whole Harry Potter thing. I knew about the character of Hanar, right away. I knew I wanted a little boy dwarf. <laughs> I know that's just random, but there it is. I wanted a little badass eight-year-old dwarf. I just knew that. Um, I had no idea how I was going to fit it all together. I knew that I wanted one or more swords that transcended the stories, that they, they their names changed over time and they kind of rose and fell and they were used by both evil and good. I knew that I wanted that and I knew that I wanted a lot of travel. I wanted that feeling of crossing the continent. And so those things, are they a little bit vague? Yeah, it's hard to you know say exactly where to begin. But I knew that I wanted them. 
And so right away, I started the book with a guy walking across the space. He's got this legendary sword. And you see, I was like working right through my bucket list, right in that opening scene with Vald where he meets the goblins. So what I advise is just when you're facing down this blank page, you're getting ready for the beginning, is just have yourself a beer, sit down, take a few deep breaths and ask, what is it that I, why am I in this hobby? What, what am I wanting? What am I wanting to see? Am I wanting to see that, you know, this kind of 300 thing where there's like a guy jumping off a rock with his sword overhead and he and the sun is gleaming and there's rhinoceroses and stuff? Or do I want, you know, slinky characters moving through the shadows, you know, looking for this ancient relic and these sparkling gems in the, under the moonlit night of a weird fantasy city or what, whatever. But if you can just think of one thing that you want, it's a beginning. Is it a story? Is it an arc? Is it this hero's journey nonsense? Hell no. All it is, is a little donut that you know you want with your breakfast. But knowing that, becomes your sort of rock of certainty and you can come back to it again and again and again as you go through all these other trials that await you. So that's what I recommend as far as starting. Now, as far as your writing practice, yeah, sure. You know, every day you're going to need to show up, have your Google Doc, do some typing, you know, leave your spelling errors behind. Don't worry about that. You're just here to type and warm your fingers up. And Make sure that you're ready at that moment to commit a little bit of time if the magic starts happening. So if you have 10 minutes before work and you get a little bit of writing practice in and then suddenly it's starting to flow and you have to leave, that's going to hurt. And if anything ever hurts, you're going to get this like negative association with writing and it'll make you procrastinate. So what you want is to, to occasionally be blessed by the muse, right? Where you're getting good at it all of a sudden. Oh my gosh, the words are flowing. And then I have time and I have a good space to work in and I can, I can get into it. I can let it happen. So when you do your writing practice, respect your space, respect your time so that you, you can follow through. And if it's not working and it's not fun, and it, then it's okay. You came, you swept the floor, and, and you kind of, you left, and that's all right. You don't have to squeeze and choke the life out of it. You don't have to push to get the practice done. And on the note of that sweeping the floor, as I mentioned, that's a bit of an obtuse metaphor, but that's my third point, is uh, sort of what I'd like to call make the bed in your head. So uh, there's this Navy Admiral online you guys may have seen. He said, the, the path to greatness, greatness is to make your bed. When you wake up in the morning, before you do anything else, you get out of bed, before you even leave your bedroom, you just turn around and make your bed right on the spot. Who cares, right? What's the big deal? Well, his point is that it's one thing that you can absolutely control, that you have no reason whatsoever not to just get it done right there and then. And if you do, you set this precedent with yourself for the day, which is that I'm getting the things done. I'm doing stuff. I already accomplished one thing. I made my bed right when I got up. It literally takes 30 seconds, right? But for some reason, you carry it through the day. And so the next you say, okay, well, I'm supposed to do writing practice today. I really want to get to sit down and, you know, write these orcs up. I want to think about these orcs. Maybe they're running through this jungle and stuff. And then just like with your bed, you, you just sit down and you do it. And what I mean by make your bed in your head is related to being honest about what you want. It, it is tidying up, tidying up why you're here, why you're writing, having a tidy sense of what your goal is and your intention. You guys have heard me talk about all this stuff, but it's a big part of writing and it's a daily exercise because believe me, 
just because you do good one day, you're not going to necessarily do good the next day. It's, it's a constant. It's just like going to the gym. Every single time takes a little bit of willpower. But similar to the gym, over time, when you wake up, you make your actual bed and you make your bed in your head, <laughs> which means you get a clear sense of, you know, what you're going to do creatively that day or, or not creatively, just your overall goals for the day. Your mind becomes tidy. It becomes directed. There's something to go get and it's gettable. You can go do it. And when you do it, you get a positive feeling about yourself and that's going to make you smarter. It's going to make you work harder. It's going to make you more creative and your friends are going to like you and you're going to win influence among the kings of old. (laughs) So keep a nice tidy space inside your head of what you're going to do and then follow through on it. Don't let yourself down. If you mess up or if you fail or, or you do a sort of crummy job and it just won't come together, that's okay. You showed up. The important part is not to let yourself down. Okay, and then here's my next one, which is like everyone out there, if you're setting out on this journey to finish a novel and publish a novel, just go ahead and get ready to have lots of little failures. And be fine with it. Just keep on grinning if you want to keep winning, right? You just kind of, you know, uh, eat bugs and smile, right? You just kind of keep on going. You're going to fail at stuff. Some of the chapters are going to suck. Some of the descriptions aren't going to make any sense. Like the, 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 the plot is going to peter out. You get to the publishing stage. You have no idea how to do all this stuff. The files are all mucked up. It's hugely frustrating. And you, oh, my gosh, I think I wrote the whole thing in the wrong program. And oh, no, and all this stuff, right? These things are going to happen. So if you really do want to go on the journey, bring some bandages with you and be ready for this stuff to happen. Now, I know that sounds like self-help talk, but I want to give you a concrete example that is 100% real that is happening to me right now so that you you can just see you're not alone, right? And I've written a bunch of books and it still happens again and again. This is on The Burning in New Haven. The reason you guys have not seen an update on that story is because I keep stumbling. So I'm writing this sort of transition part of the book where I'm getting all my characters back to the town of New Haven for this kind of big sort of crazy dark part. I don't want to give it away, but I think I know that part in my mind of what I want it to be. But the transition just keeps not working. So I'm on my third rewrite of it. And I don't like it again. I just don't like it. Something that feels too Alfheimy. It it doesn't feel like a horror, like a dark fantasy type theme. It just, I keep kind of mucking it up. There's too many characters and then it like kind of just fizzles. But this doesn't mean, oh crap, all my users are going to quit. They're all going to leave Patreon and like, I have to, oh no, and I just got to choke myself until I get this stinking story out and all this kind of, I mean, sure, I've had those thoughts a few times, but you know, it's okay. I know you guys want the best I can do. And so in this particular case, I've tried something wildly different. Since I just don't seem to be able to write it down, I tried just doing it like oral tradition style. So it's like, I kind of know what I want to happen in the story. So I just turned on my mic and started saying it as if I were reading it. And it's actually working out pretty good. I'm thinking about doing the rest of a Burning in New Haven this way, just as a, an oral writing exercise. Now, what the hell, Hankerin, huh? You're just saying it? You're just talking it? Yeah, because the marbles are jammed up in my brain, and I need something to smack me upside the head. It's just jammed up. I'm just 
I can't get it to quite come together, so I need to try something else. That doesn't mean I failed at making a burning in New Haven a great story. It means I'm just working on the problem. Sometimes these things take years. (laughs) Other times they happen magically right in front of you. But the moral of the story here is like, failure is part of the fun. You're, You're still that cool person you visualized who's writing this fantasy story. You're still coming through on that promise to yourself of writing this novel. Okay, now all these things are sort of psychological garbledygook, right? This this isn't really practical advice about how to write a good story. And I can give you a few pointers on there, but there are numerous resources online for how to write good novels, how to write good stories. My first point, which I'm not going to belabor, but I would say don't listen to any of it. Be yourself. Rock on. Look it up if you're stuck, but otherwise just be yourself, do it your way. A lot of times the form and function and theory and technique of writing can actually become a prison that slows you down rather than help you. But for the sake of this podcast, here are sort of what I would say the three things that can really help you get an exciting, different and creative story. First of all, discover as you go. So for me, the thought of planning out a whole novel and then following through and writing it just sounds like dental surgery. It just sounds terrible. It sounds miserable, um, both in the workload as well as just the fun of the momentary experience just sound really hard to me. So what I recommend is try to just write your way through your ideas as they're occurring. And if something occurs to you, or a player, uh, uh, a player, a, a character dialogue piece sort of implies something you didn't see coming. Let it happen. This is how Stills met his end in Hathor Dur. I did not think that was going to end that way, but the story started going to this place, and that's why I think you kind of hear my voice crack a little bit when I'm reading the Tunnel of Hathor Dur. Is like, even on the second reading when I was recording, I was still sort of surprised that like. Stills was smashed and dropped down into the underdark and potentially dead. It, it just really surprised me as a writer. I did not plan that. And what I recommend is letting yourself feel some of that stuff. Let yourself play. You know, maybe you're, you're, maybe you guys have had this experience. You're out in your sort of dirt with your hose and you're making a river and you got your G.I. Joes. And you're kind of like, man, the Hiss tank is kind of cooler than the G.I. Joe tanks. Right there you have... You have your desire in front of you. You want that to be a G.I. Joe vehicle. So make it one. So the guys go in, they sneak through the river like frogmen. They go up and they steal the Hiss tank and then they're battling the Cobra guys and the, the whole, a whole sort of scenario starts to unfold because of one simple unexpected desire, which is like, I kind of like this vehicle for the good guys, though. It's too cool for Cobra. Now, of course, maybe there's going to be some craft work involved. You need to paint it camo. <laughs> But my point is, if you're surprised by your, your playful mind, then just run with it. Why not? Have a good time. That's discovery. And to me, it leads to emotionally authentic stories. All right, second, and you guys have probably heard this one a bunch of times. Think about detail. Think about little things, wonderful little, amazing little things, things that are held between two fingers, things so light they drift on a sun ray. You know, things that are, that are crawled upon by insects. You know, the dust drifting across your boot. You know, an eyelash that lands on a sword. You know, this kind of stuff. Why? Because it's easy to visualize large ideas, I think. 
It's easy to describe large ideas. There's an army and it's running over all these rocks and it's going to fight this other army. Okay. That's pretty, you know, I can see it in my mind, but I don't, I don't know if I'm really interested. But the details of who is in there, what their boots are like as they touch the rocks, what the weather feels like, what their weapons are made of, how they're scabbarded. Maybe they have strange arrays of belts that hold their weapons to their, their, their sides so that they don't clang as they run or some detail. I don't know. But if you get in the habit of thinking in details, it lends an authenticity and a, and a wealth of sort of data and visualization to your stories. Okay, so that's a fine tip, but how do you do it? In your writing practice, think up an idea, something simple like, um, you know, I don't know, like a hover ship racing across the desert. That's kind of cool. Okay, but then practice the skill of seeing details. Well, it has these brass rivets that hold the hull together. One of them is sort of shaking loose. It pops off as this thing zooms across a rocky outcrop and the rivet bounces down the rocks and comes to a stop and it's rusted. Okay, what is that? That's nothing. But to me, it starts evoking all these ideas and questions I have about the world just because I saw this random little detail. Now, in time, you'll get good at just generating these details. You won't have to scratch your chin so much, but there's going to be times when you do a lot of chin scratching. Get through the hard work, think in details, and practice the art of mining scenes and ideas for little details. Okay, third. Now, this one can be very hard, but... It's just a skill that you simply need. And this one really transfers between writing and dungeon mastering. And that is the art of naming things. If you want to write fun stories, you need to be good at naming things. Now, what does good mean? It means that the names of your characters, places, and objects, and events are kind of, they fit together. But they also don't sound awkward or, or frankly, kind of silly or dumb. They don't sound so made up that it's silly or weird, but they don't sound so real that it's dry and overly realistic. Maybe there's a little bit of historical context in the way that you name things. Maybe you use a sort of a Roman feel to things, or you use a, a you know a Camelot type feel to things, or you use like more of an Italian sense of history that comes through your words. Maybe you're inspired by Tolkien and the way that his naming comes through, and you want to kind of play with that. But naming things is a huge step, not only to finding what they are, defining their character, but also like lending this musical tone to your writing, the way that it sounds and feels. Now, how you name things also can give you sort of some unexpected clues about what's ahead in your story. Maybe two names of things, a place and a person, have slight letter similar similarity. Maybe a weapon and a place have commonality. Maybe a character and a weapon have the same name. They're linked. Destiny is intertwined. The art of naming is also just the art of finding oddities that keep you moving. Like, um, here's a good example. Is Recently, I was working on the Eyes of Odium. This is my dungeon that I'm running on Wednesday nights. I had no idea what the hell I was going to do for the game entirely. I didn't even know if it was a dungeon. I didn't know anything about it. But what I did know is that the phrase, the eyes of odium, excited me. Wow, what was that? Sounded like someone crashed a spaceship out there. Anyway, 
The eyes of odium, just as a phrase, excited me about what was ahead. It wanted me to do whatever was going to come next. To answer what that even is. Is odium a person? Is it a place? What? And here we go. We start going down this little rabbit hole of questions and answers. And that question and answer technique can arise from naming. Another tip while you're doing naming is make sure that your reader doesn't stumble on overly creative names. So if a combination of letters can be sort of a, a speed bump, then the mind will like hit it and, and kind of go, wait, how am I supposed to pronounce this? And, and, and every time they see that name, they'll hit a little speed bump and it'll slow their emotional speed, so to speak. And you don't want that. That's bad. So make sure that when you're naming things creatively, they're still easy and smooth to read through so that your, your story can continue to kind of slide along at the same pace without hitting these knots of comprehension. And so is there a lot more to the art of naming in your story? Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is an art you could work on all your life and slowly improve at. But I do think it's one of the core skills of a good dungeon master and a good story writer or book or a novelist. So those are my three sort of nuts and boltsy how-tos. Now, there's sort of a final piece that I wanted to talk about uh, as far as like writing method and, you know, technique and improving and, and what am I doing and so on and so forth and what is all this stuff. And it goes beyond, you know, even the, the guys from Abtab a couple episodes ago, they had some great tips on, you know, having buckets, you know, different creative things to work on, um, you know, showing up for the sort of consistency workout, the thousand, uh, thousand words a day type approach, right? They had some great stuff to say about being a writer and so forth and, and finding that voice for yourself. And this is my final piece I wanted to talk about and probably the thing I'm the most well known for in my writing which is the concept of finding your voice. Now this, yeah, sounds a little bit like abstract garbledygook at first, like, oh God, I have to, I have to find my own voice, <laughs> right? And I'm sorry, but there's no more concrete way for me to describe this key piece of not only getting good at writing, but enjoying your writing and being yourself in your writing. So the writer's voice is a sort of a catch term for the way that you sound when you write, if you imagine hearing it inside your head, right? So if you're good at this, as you're reading along, you begin to become very comfortable with whoever this is that's sort of speaking, like this, this tone or this, this rhythm this character or flavor that this blob of writing has, if it's well done and smooth, you become very used to it. It's almost like a friend. It's a person inside your mind who's talking. Now, one technique that a lot of writers employ is that they basically try to really be themselves. They, you'll hear them talking when you're reading their writing. You'll, you'll notice these patterns that not only do they speak with, but that they write with, and it makes it, you know, feel authentic and honest. Now, not everyone has this skill where you can transfer the way that you speak into the way you write. This is no simple thing. It takes a lot of practice, right? But what you can do is look for whatever voice happens to be occurring in your writing. Now, I can't imagine that Stephen King, for example, talks quite like he writes, but maybe he does. I've never met him. But 
any of you who have read several of his stories know he has this very recognizable voice that he speaks in, the way that he communicates, the way he portrays everything has this familiarity to it. And I think this is why you see the author's name on a lot of fiction above the title, is that the readers get used to this voice. You know, like, uh, you know, maybe Brandon Sanderson is one, or J.K. Rowling, right? They get used to this Harry Potter voice. And whatever story is going to be in that voice, they're happy to indulge and read it. But there's a refinement to this voice, this tone or feeling or rhythm that the writing has that you get used to as the reader. Now, the opposite of doing good with finding your voice is having these jarring moments where it seems to change. It, it you, Just because, you know, as a writer, one week you're in a good mood, the next week you're in a crummy mood, and the tone of your writing is, you know, terribly different, and they're in the same story. And this can be very jarring for a reader, and they probably won't even know why, but they'll become dissatisfied. Or, or they can become fatigued by trying to read it. Now, the voice doesn't always necessarily have to be this sort of smooth, pleasant thing. You can take, uh, you know, Nathaniel Hawthorne, for example, right? The Scarlet Letter. A lot of people can't stand the way that that book is written. I per personally love it. It's very convoluted kind of old colonial English. But I have to give him full marks because the consistency and the complexity of that voice is amazing. Another one that is a huge example and can be polarizing is H.P. Lovecraft. Has a very distinct voice that can be very challenging to read. But every single thing you read by him has this, this character or this tone to it. And I don't mean the theme. That's different. I mean the way the words are communicated to you. You can, you can see and feel this voice from beyond. It. It's kind of inside your mind usually. Sometimes this is why audiobooks really freak me out too. It's like, that's not what it sounds like. <laughs> like right now I'm uh, listening to uh, all of the Barsoom stories, The Fighting Men of Mars and all that by Edgar Rice Burroughs on audiobook. But the guy narrating it is not like the guy that I heard in my mind for John Carter. John Carter's like a badass. He sounds like Clive Owen or something. This guy sounds like an old miner or something. Like It just does, does not feel right. Um, so anyways, find that voice. Look for it. Look at your own writing like the next day after you do it and try to see what it is you're doing. Um, I am really known for doing this kind of compound sentence pattern. Uh, it's just a habit of mine that I really don't plan on breaking, but I'll say like, you know, big fact over here and little fact down here and big fact over here and little fact over here, long ago over here and a little thing down there. And, and this is like a, a way that I talk. I talk in these like dichotic sentences, these sort of two lobed sentences with an and in the middle. <laughs> now, at first I was frustrated about it because I kept doing it and doing it. But what I realized is this is the way that I I, you know, row the boat. I move the boat of the story along because it's a comfortable way for me to speak. So how do you find this voice? How do you search for it? There's no easy answer. Writing is a vastly complex skill to develop. So I just recommend practice. Just practice. Keep on practicing and be encouraged. I have seven full novels that are just terrible that I have never shown to the world. They are just in a closet somewhere. I think some of them aren't even, they're just gone. I don't even know where they are, but whole novels. One of them called The Fixer was like 
almost 600 pages, I think. It was massive. It was a story of this astronaut who sort of uh, joins an alien race, like is, you know, sort of adopted by them and then winds up fighting for them and stuff. And in my mind, it, you know, had all these interesting moments and themes and ideas and just, wow, as a read, oh, so terrible. So if, if you're working through becoming a writer and you're just not that excited about your writing, it's, it's too verbose. It takes too long to read. It's tiring. There's no emotion. There's no crescendo. There's no climax. There's, there's, there's no poignancy. There's no poetry. That's okay. That happens to every single writer out there. Uh, what's that that old saying that the only difference between the accomplished writer and you is that the accomplished writer has failed more? <laughs> so I know this is a bit of a, of a refrain, but it really is what I want you to take away as you're writing both your campaigns, your character backstories, your novel you're working on, whatever it is. Just have fun with goofing around. This is this is like learning how to use a potting wheel, right? If you if you get grumpy because you make a sort of a lumpy looking thing, you're never going to find your way to making the pitchers and, and cups, right? It's going to be lumpy and weird because we're lumpy, weird people. <laughs> so I hope this was informative and it's, it's always nice to sit and talk about writing because as you guys know, I spend a ton, a ton of time writing both for the podcast, for the YouTube channel, um, the novels, um, and of course the RPG books, like I see RPG, like all this stuff is written and rewritten and written again, um, to find that sweet spot that's communicative to someone outside yourself. And this is the fun of writing, right? This is why it's worth doing is you can take an idea that's exciting for you and sort of transfer it into someone else's imagination. And to me, that is really exciting. And it's why I always keep coming back for more. So I hope that this little podcast helps everybody out with their writing practice. And I know that there's, you know, no like dimension breaking truths here that a lot of this can be found in other places on the internet. There are just an infinite number of writing resources out there. But this just for me, these are some of the concepts that are really important in my writing practice. And so I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep on plugging and chugging. You know what I mean? just going to keep on going. So, hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to RPG Mainframe and new patrons. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Runehammer. Please catch up on the backlog. Have fun with all of it. And um, wow, what are we going to move into next? Well, we're going to be starting to get into more of the ICRPG deep dive stuff. Um, and I'm not quite sure what's coming next. You know how it is. It's week to week. I just try to riff off of what you guys seem to be wanting the podcast to become. And so never hesitate to leave a comment here on Patreon or uh, throw me an email directly at hankerin.furnail at gmail.com or post up on Facebook, anything. Hit me on Twitter. It don't matter. Let's just talk. And, um, you know, going to be a lot of fun stuff this year. So let's just keep the RPG train rolling. I've got two weekly games going now. So I am neck deep in the hobby and loving it. So I hope you guys are doing the same and having a great time with the world's greatest pastime. Okay, so strength, honor, and beer. I'll see you guys on the next episode of RPG Mainframe. <laughs>